Welcome to The Recap, the part of our podcast where we recap the previous week's sermon. We are here with Dave, because he preached. Hi, Dave. Hello. And Stacy's joining us today for The Recap. Hi, Stacy. Hey. Hey. Um, so we are on to Genesis 25 and the story of Esau selling his birthright. So interesting story. Dave, why don't you just give us a quick recap of where you went and, um, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, uh, so I think verses 1 to 18 recount uh, Abraham's marriage to a second concubine and the kids he has and then his death and then recounts Ishmael's genealogy and then his death. So the main, the main thing I tried to draw to that section was just that death is still here. Uh, it's still reigning uh, in a sense from Genesis 3 in the fall and yet uh, God is keeping his promises. So I talked about four rays of light kind of into the darkness of death. Uh, see if I can remember all of them right now. <laughs> One of them was that God had promised that Abraham would be a, a father of a multitude of nations. In the sermon, I said, Father Abraham and many sons. Many sons said, Father Abraham. And uh, that we see that coming true. Second, we see uh, that this promise of a specific offspring through whom the blessing to the nations and the conquering of the servant would come is, is happening. He gives all that he has to Isaac. He sends the other ones away from the promised land with gifts, but we very clearly see God is keeping his promise through this promise on Isaac to bless the nations and to uh, conquer uh, the serpent. I think that we see that really clearly. I think that's verses five and six. Um, we see really, really clearly again, like back from chapter 24, where Abraham had haggled with the Hittites. Uh, that phrase caught on with a few people, so now I'm, I'm saying it. Haggled with the Hittites. Haggled with the Hittites. Uh, he bought a cave um, with this future hope that God was going to give his people a place to enjoy his presence. And we see Abraham buried by Isaac and Ishmael in that same place. Uh, so I think that's a pointer to future hope coming and then we see uh, the fourth one is that God keeps his promises to Ishmael that he made to Hagar, that Ishmael would be the father of 12 princes. And so Ishmael's name means the God who hears. And so we see that God hears the most downcast and far off and keeps his promises to them as well. So that was the first 18 verses of kind of this Ishmael, Abraham genealogy, and then actually their, their death. Um, second point I made was uh, God's sovereignty. And, and this is the the whole story of Rebecca's barrenness and Isaac's prayer for that and the twins, Esau and Jacob, one hairy, one grabbing onto the heel um, and the wrestling in the womb. And God says, there's going to be two nations in you and the older will serve the younger. And just talked about God's freedom and God's power uh, to keep his promises. So God is sovereign and he's free to keep his promises how he wants when he wants, um, no, and then we, you know, no, no conventions of man, no good works, no anything uh, except for God's free power and and mercy. And so, and this just wanted to hang out there for a second, just about how uh, Rebecca and Isaac, you know, they didn't do the Abraham Sarah thing and try to try to keep God's promises in their own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they prayed. <laughs> they prayed for 20 years uh, for an heir. And just so I wanted to talk to the people there listening just about the sovereignty of God and how it doesn't make us robotic or mechanical, but helps us lean into God's power as we wait for him to work. 
And the third point was uh, just kind of a point to show the utter sinfulness of both Jacob and Esau and how neither of them really deserved. Neither of them would be the poster boy for worthy of salvation Mm -hmm, or worthy of God's promises. And yet uh, one of them is unable to repent in Esau and the other one, eventually God is his God, Jacob, and God keeps his promises through the line of Jacob. And so went to Romans 9 and talked about how Paul shows that principle from Genesis 25 to be even true of salvation. Mm -hmm. It's not family lineage. It's not our works. It's not our human exertion. It's not, um, it's not anything, but on God who has mercy and trying to just help. I mean, for my own heart and just maybe for the, the heart of those there, just feel how, how profound it is that it's all by mercy and it's all by grace and how that ought to, stir us up in different ways. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a recap of yeah. Genesis 25. Halfway through. We made it halfway through Genesis. Wow. Woo. Feels like we just started. It does. It's been, a, it's been wow. fun. It has. It's been, these, uh, it's been fun to go fast enough that it feels like this thing kind of has momentum. Yep. You mm-hmm. kind of can still remember what's going on. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Yep. That's great. Stacy, do you have any questions or comments that you took away from the sermon? Well, I just, I think the second point just about how um, they inquired of the Lord and just turned to him. You know, unlike Dave pointed out, Abraham and Sarah just took matters into their own hands, but they sought the Lord and then waited on him and his timing and 20 years. I mean, just mm-hmm. thinking about mm-hmm. that's how long I've been married. Like that <laughs> feels like a really long time um, in mm-hmm. some ways. Really and, long time, Peter. I mean, been, I don't mean it that it's way. It's been a long road. <laughs> That's been a long, Man, lonely that came road. Out really bad. Okay, yep. <laughs> but just twenty like years of just prayer, <laughs> just a lot of prayer. Ethan can edit that out. Yeah, um, but he but, won't. He could. That was just such a good point, though. Of like, you know, when things are confusing or hard, just to turn to him. Just wanting that to be my inclination. Um, instead of trying to take things into my own hands yeah. or figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, just this issue of infertility comes up mm-hmm. throughout scripture and mm-hmm. just knowing that this is a common thing, I mm-hmm. think, especially for women, but men too, as um, husbands, if their mm-hmm. wives have dealt with this, just that this is um, a common thing and God is working in that and he's mm-hmm. with you and you can turn to him in that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, we see that a lot in scripture and then um, things are broken. Mm-hmm. Things don't work the way that they're meant to work. Sometimes um, we should do a biblical theology on here of barrenness and childbearing and how that relates to blessings and curses yeah. and how that changes from the old covenant to the new covenant. I did That'd a real, I did a yeah. really, really mini paragraph on it in the sermon, but not, not enough. Yeah. 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 That'd be fun sometime. Anyway. And even just related to that, then um, it's not really, well, I guess it's not related to that, but just God's wisdom throughout scripture. Another pattern that we see that you pointed out is God choosing not the firstborn. He's, mm-hmm. you know, choosing the secondborn and just turning upside down how the world values things and does things. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, we see that a lot too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Um, Ethan, our. Producer extraordinaire uh, over there. You, you had a really good question. I think you should ask it here on the on the microphone. 
Yeah. Um, I love how Ethan leans into the microphone. Makes me feel like it's how I should do it. It is how you should do it. He's like okay. resting his whole cheek on the nice microphone is. cover. <laughs> He's cheek to cheek with the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> no, my question was more on like verse 29 to the end. Um, mm-hmm. When Jacob and Esau are interacting, um, Nick had a good way of describing it. He said that Jacob's um, maybe tone uh, would be a good word for it, or his posture uh, was kind of conniving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious, do you think that Jacob had God's promises in mind when he was thinking about the birthright? You know, was it just uh, monetary passing from father to son, that type of thing, or was the birthright in the back of his mind as well? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the the commentators are split on it. Uh, there's also a there's also an interesting uh, distinction between birthright and blessing. So mm-hmm. some people would say birthright is kind of the you get all the stuff, but you could still get the blessing of you know being the one that carries on the name. Some people say no, those two things really went together. So there's a little bit of a little bit of back and forth about how those things actually work out. Because like mm-hmm. uh, uh, later. Um, Isaac will bless, you know, both his sons. And so did the way that all worked out change based on what happened with the birthright, maybe. What I would say is at best though, um, at best what Jacob would be doing would be something like what Abraham and Sarah tried to do with Hagar in that even if those promises, and this, that's what I said, you know, I said, I, the way I said it in the sermon is, We've seen that when you try to make God's plans happen in your own way, it, it never goes well. Um, and so I think, I think at best, he's got him in his mind and maybe he's got a sense of entitlement mm. and a sense of hurry. You know, you can kind of think of the story of the prodigal son. Hey, give me, give me my birth right now. I want it right now. I don't want to wait for it. Um, and at worst, none of that's in his mind and he just wants the stuff. So I don't, I don't think either of them would have been a, would have been upstanding, but there's certainly a degree to which maybe he's got, and, and I mean, some commentators even say, maybe that's why Rebecca liked him so much because he she knew he was the promised one. And maybe that's why Isaac mm-hmm. kind of favored uh, uh, Esau because he kind of felt bad for, you know, there, there's a bunch of psychological things mm-hmm. you're going to about why we're all bad parents. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, but I think that I think that either way, it wasn't an upstanding way to relate to God's promises by faith. It would have been a self-serving, self-preserving way to try to get them sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Good question, though. Yeah. Um, one other question that I thought of, and this is kind of really switching gears. Sweet. But uh, <clears throat> it, how should we think about Abraham having concubines? Yeah. Mm. Just try not to think about it too much. No, I think, uh, I think, uh, um, what I would say about that is that I think, uh, well, and again, man, there's, there's all sorts of back and forth based on Abraham's age and various things about if her name's Keturah, uh, if, if she was a, while Sarah was alive or a while after Sarah died, Hmm, concubine, Mm -hmm. um, which changes how some people view her, you know, and in, in one, in one sure. sense, uh, in one sense, you know, Hagar and Keturah 
our real wives. Um, they're, they're, they're really, that's how they did marriage. They, they came together mm-hmm. intimately and that's kind of how you consummated the marriage. Um, so in one sense, Keturah might've been totally fine if it was a wife he took after Sarah, mm-hmm. after Sarah's death. If not, I think that we should see it as, um, I mean, with Hagar, we know. <laughs> yeah. We know yeah. it was mm-hmm. a distrusting of God's promises. With Keturah, we're not sure. Um, but I think that we can say in all cases, it is not ideal. Yeah. It is not in line with what God so very, very clearly outlined in Genesis 2 about a man leaving and taking his one wife. Mm-hmm. So, like all sin, not a not an yeah. ideal picture. Yep. Keturah is a little bit more... Uh, so, so these two questions you guys just asked are two of the things I thought, well, I could spend a long time on them, mm-hmm. but they don't add a t- ton to the actual main point, and I'm going to lose people. So great questions, exactly mm-hmm. the ones. Yeah. The, only other, the only other point I'd add is that I thought about doing, and I didn't, that Stacy brought up too, so you guys are just nailing it right on the head, is the whole idea of barrenness and God overcoming barrenness. I think as I studied, there's really, really strong links to why... Uh, our salvation uh, is so strongly referred to as being born again Hmm. or a new birth and how there's no (laughs) ability (laughs) for us to do it. We are barren spiritually Mm -hmm. in and of ourselves. Hmm. And yet God, by the Spirit, overcomes that time and time again. And and I think that's why the New Testament talks about it that way, Hmm. about being born again, because it's going, oh, that's like that. Like that's, this is how God does it. Mm-hmm. How He keeps His promises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we could yeah. do the biblical theology sometime. Yeah. All right. Well, great recap. Thanks, guys. This is this is awesome. Yeah.